Here is one of our many recordings from the Revolutionary Ideas Online Festival held on the 28th and 29th of November 2020. This was a weekend of Marxist discussion and debate held by Socialist Alternative. Want to join our fight? Go to socialistalternative.net today and get in touch to play your role in the struggle for a world free of capitalist oppression. About this time every year, uh, we we tend to teach uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol uh, to the um, undeserving young of uh, South London who are filled with enthusiasm for it. But one of the parts that always gets a little bit of engagement is about the comparison between conditions in Victorian England uh, and uh, the present day uh, and sharing some of the horror stories from Victorian England about injuries in the workplace, child labour and the general conditions uh, of working class life and the complete lack of a safety net obviously leads to a whole series of, of questions and discussion. Now obviously the capitalist class in responding to why 200 years later, conditions are different, often focus on the supposed benevolence uh, of uh, philanthropists and the capitalist class, a kind of general improvement in technology and the quality of life, and uh, completely ignore the fact that any improvements uh, that we have seen, including the expectation that the vast majority of workers enter their workplace fairly safe in the knowledge that they are going to return home in at least one piece, uh, if slightly bedraggled, um, that 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 has come off the back of seismic struggles of the working class. Uh, Those struggles in the 19th century, uh, as in the formation and the emergence of the trade union movement that that began to address uh, the conditions in the workplace, Um, the struggles uh, during Uh, the Spanish flu pandemic, which are often glossed over as well. Uh, One fifth of American workers took strike action during the Spanish flu uh, pandemic. And of course, all of the other uh, struggles uh, that that led to changes in legislation and the practices uh, of of, of employers. It's not an accident that the 1974 Health and Safety Act uh, came off the back of a period uh, of really intense uh, worker struggle the victory of the miners' strike in 1972 and the toppling of the Heath government. So we need to kind of see it in the context that what we're talking about in terms of uh, protecting the safety of workers uh, is is based on the relative strength of the organised working class. And this pandemic has really brought into sharp focus the question of health and safety for workers. And also it's brought into sharp focus the role and the relative strength of the uh, trade union movement. And this is going to come even more to a head later this week, on Wednesday, when uh, workers considered by the government clinically extremely vulnerable uh, will be instructed to return to their workplaces. Uh, In many cases, entering their workplaces again, uh, if they uh, they choose to do so, uh, knowing uh, knowing that it could have Uh, a serious impact on their health uh, and even on their life. In the UK, we've obviously uh, seen uh, the the country break the 50,000 death barrier before any other European country. 
Uh, and obviously we can, you know, a concentration on deaths uh, figures is, is very important, but there are the unreported uh, impacts as well in terms of the long-term uh, health implications for those who've contracted COVID uh, and the other, uh, the, the other kind of uh, associated impacts in terms of health uh, and well-being. Um, but we also need to remind ourselves that those figures would have been higher had workers not taken action uh, to, uh, to try and uh, address the question of the spread of COVID-19 uh, that pushed uh, and had an impact on, this, on some of the political decisions that have been made to, uh, to protect uh, workers. If we look at some of the action that's been taken, and there are, I don't want to steal anyone on this call's thunder, um, uh, and I'll let them tell their own stories. But we've seen uh, we've seen action in Linden Foods in the north of Ireland, uh, and uh, the uh, ASOS factory in uh, Barnsley over the question of social distancing. We've seen refuse workers organise and win important victories uh, in in Bexley, for example, where. Um, they won on conditions and the sackings of workers and actually improved trade union density there from 25% uh, to uh, an excellent 95% density in that workplace. Um, the same with refuse workers in, in Medway taking action. Um, and we've seen uh, a, a, um, a growth in, uh, in a number of significant areas in terms of trade union membership, 16,000 new Unison members. Uh, 20,000 new members uh, of my union, the NEU, um, and in Unite, in the hospitality sector, which is obviously a sector that's been uh, incredibly exposed uh, by the pandemic and some of the working practices and conditions uh, that exist in that sector, has, has seen uh, Unite's membership in hospitality rise by 11.4%. And what that's an indication of, obviously, is that workers uh, draw the conclusion that in a crisis, uh, that 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 in order of you know what needs to be done, uh, in many cases the conclusion that is being drawn is uh, that collective action uh, is important to defend uh, defend conditions, uh, to defend health, uh, and to, to defend safety. That's been uh, reflected internationally as well. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, French lab workers. Uh, going out on strike over workloads, completely overwhelmed by uh, the weight of, uh, of their work um, during the pandemic. We've seen workers in Amazon warehouses and a number of places across the, the United States uh, organising over health and safety uh, and other issues, uh, including victimisation of trade union reps that I'll talk a little bit more about in a moment. Um, but we've also seen action taken that goes beyond just the kind of defensive uh, uh, defensive struggles. Workers at General Electric, uh, Electric in America taking action, demanding that their production be repurposed uh, to to make uh, ventilators, um, which I think really shows the the potential for a mass uh, movement of the organised working class to not only address some of the immediate concerns. Uh, that the pandemic has thrown up, but also to begin to roll back uh, some of the attacks uh, that have taken place over uh, over the last uh, few uh, few decades. We've also seen healthcare workers all over the world uh, taking different forms of action uh, in in defence of their safety and over their working conditions in Papua New Guinea, 
in uh, in uh, in Pakistan, in the US, uh, and obviously here in the UK. And you know, while uh, a lot of strike uh, ballots and strike action uh, is reported numerically um, in the newspapers, what's often not reported are those. Uh, those maybe those unofficial actions or those actions that are short of strike action that have had an impact on working conditions uh, in, in 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 key workplaces. So um, comrades of ours who work in the health sector have reported how at the height of the crisis uh, around the provision of PPE uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, health workers set red lines for their managers of what uh, the expectations uh, should be in their workplace for them to work. Uh, safely and scored important victories, victories that maybe won't make the headlines in the news, but have had a huge impact on people's uh, lives. And really, I think when we look at these struggles uh, as Marxists and we try and understand the processes developing and point a way forward, what we are seeing is we are uh, seeing in many cases on those, uh, those examples uh, uh, around the world uh, and here in Britain of workers trying to uh, struggle for more control uh, over what happens in their workplace, what happens to them uh, as individuals uh, and to their colleagues and the wider community. And I think it's worth us um, reflecting maybe for a moment on what uh, what we do have control over as workers in our individual workplaces. Um, and I encouraged uh, comrades when we were discussing the question of workers' control uh, in the NEU caucus of Socialist Alternative to think about uh, what we have control over, what we might have some input into in terms of uh, negotiations uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and our, uh, our trade union groups. And what is still dictated to us by managers uh, in our workplace. And part of these struggles has been about trying to shift what is dictated to us and what we have no Im uh, impact and no input into to shift that balance to ensure that we're able to shape uh, what happens. And so that means that, you know, workplace reps um, across the country have been fighting uh, to, to even get uh, uh, meetings with management regularly to address some of these concerns, um, to be able to uh, to be able to know what is happening in their workplaces in terms of positive cases and transparency around uh, the impact uh, of the virus. And these uh, battles uh, will continue and do continue on a daily basis. Uh, right across uh, right across workplaces in the country and we need to give that shape we need to give it uh, direction and we need to give it a program uh, that can win now i've mentioned uh, a whole number of individual strikes uh, of in, uh, of groups of workers uh, i didn't mention some of the of uh, the unofficial walkouts that have taken place uh, perhaps um rob uh, as our uh, you know, one of our uh, resident posties can maybe talk about the role of uh, some of the unofficial action within the CWU. But we, in my borough, we saw cleaners at the local hospital take unofficial action uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, heroically uh, putting their uh, jobs on the line in order uh, to push management back and to win significant uh, uh, concessions on PPE 
uh, cleaning and so on. But we might want to question why is it that we haven't seen generalised action uh, nationally from the trade union movement, which numbers more than uh, six and a half million uh, workers? Why is it that that hasn't uh, developed as a, a struggle nationally? And I think you only need to see uh, the pictures of Francis O'Grady, the General Secretary of the uh, TUC, who at the height of the pandemic uh, chose not to uh, stand on picket lines or in mass meetings organising workers, but instead to stand outside number 11, uh, flanking uh, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak uh, and praising, uh, praising their decisive uh, action, uh, also echoed uh, by other leading trade, uh, uh, you know, trade union leaders, including McCluskey uh, of Unite as well. And what that's a reflection of is a, a shift uh, in terms of a kind of form of class collaboration where trade union leaders have very little confidence in collective action, in strike action, uh, in workers uh, using their industrial strengths and have moved to rely on lobbying uh, and, uh, and kind of reasoned arguments and appeals to the capitalist class. And we can see uh, really the motivations of the capitalist class in the comments that were leaked uh, about uh, uh, Dominic Cummings at the, right at the beginning of the pandemic, who effectively brushed away uh, the deaths, uh, the, the, the projected deaths of the elderly in uh, Britain uh, as necessary collateral damage in order for their system to continue. So we must be absolutely blunt that we can have no faith in the kind of reason of the capitalist class to keep us safe uh, or to provide for us. Uh, we have to rely on our own organisation and our own strength. And the thing that has held us back uh, so much during the crisis, but also in the whole period of the Tory government has been the inability and the unwillingness of trade union leaders uh, to draw the conclusion that it's necessary to confront the government, it's necessary to organise, it's necessary to use the collective strength uh, of the movement. And this is incredibly important uh, when we think uh, about what is also coming down the tracks. We're still not out of the health crisis. Talk of a virus uh, and things potentially beginning to return uh, to relative normality in the new year uh, will be used to try and quiet uh, dissenting voices and to quiet those who might be raising uh, concerns. But we're certainly not out of the health crisis right now. Uh, in Lewisham, uh, in the NEU here, in the absence of any national action, uh, we have uh, taken the decision to try to have borough-wide action, to try and win an agreement for schools in our borough. Our posters have just arrived with protecting the most at risk, uh, plan B for when the virus is surging again in schools and the preservation of bubbles which were meant to uh, help isolate the virus in schools by keeping uh, children uh, apart. Uh, and so we are trying to engage now in discussions uh, with school workers right across the borough, um, thousands of school workers. We've seen uh, a big increase in our membership, including among support staff. Uh, and we want to use that as an opportunity to talk to them about how uh, we are going to, uh, how we can take steps to make our workplaces uh, safer, because we cannot rely simply on the law. We have legislation that in words uh, is designed to protect us, 
but I don't think there is one worker uh, in my workplace who would be able to confidently say that they feel safe uh, every day uh, at work. But it's not just the health crisis, obviously. The the and and comrades hopefully will come in to kind of develop some of the points about the impact of the economic crisis uh, that is uh, developing um, and how that might be also compounded. Uh, by whatever might come out of the Brexit negotiations. Um, but we've already seen uh, the great thanks after all the collapse earlier in the pandemic for key workers and public sector workers. We've seen Sunak announce uh, another pay freeze for public sector workers, concentrating apparently on the relative rise for public sector workers in wages in, in, in the last year, ignoring the uh, fact that the last decade we've seen uh, a huge decline in public sector wages and trying to play public uh, uh, off against private sector as his strategy to try uh, and head off any sort of serious challenge to that. Uh, I'm sure comrades on this call will also talk about the impact of cuts as well, particularly in local government. We've seen um, councils like Croydon and Bexley uh, here in London uh, announcing uh, huge, uh, uh, huge uh, financial deficits, and in the case of Croydon, uh, the question of bankruptcy. Um, and so, um, we, you know, while uh, many in the trade union movement, I'm sure, will be uh, certainly at the tops, will be uh, looking to the end of the pandemic to return to a kind of uh, a period of uh, relative uh, peace and quiet for them, and not having to. Uh, deal with some of the thorny questions of uh, people uh, staying alive, that actually there will be no let, let up for the working class whatsoever, that we will emerge from a health crisis faced by crisis uh, in our public services, uh, in our uh, ability to pay the rent and the mortgage uh, and to uh, put food on the table and keep our homes uh, warm. So we need to draw some of the les lessons of the huge mistakes that have been made during the pandemic by the trade union movement. Uh, and I would squarely put my union uh, at the forefront of that in terms of mistakes, partly because um, you know, we are, we're seeing them played out as a slow motion car crash at the moment. But we've seen uh, that trade union leaders, even those well-meaning ones who might want to, uh, uh, might want to uh, use uh, the opportunity to confront government unable to do that because they're unable to draw the conclusions that are necessary, which is that uh, we uh, we need to build uh, 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 the base, but that needs to be built uh, around a programme and a strategy. Um, it does require uh, serious planning now. The uh, imposition of the Trade Union Act has had an impact on the way that we can work. I think if the Trade Union Act uh, wasn't there, we could have seen uh, a much uh, quicker move to strike action uh, in a number of places over the question of, of COVID. Uh, and obviously in this discussion, we should talk about the impact of the uh, anti-trade union laws, how we circumvent them, how we potentially uh, 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 break them, um, but also how we use some of the kind of deep organizing strategies uh, that have been missing really from the toolbook of the British trade union movement um, in terms of building strength at the base uh, uh, to be able to build on, to win ballots uh, and to win campaigns. So my 20 minutes is, is almost up. Um, Fiona's going to give, I think, a bit more of a case study uh, of, of her work in the UCU 
um, during the pandemic. And obviously there are a number of comrades on this uh, call who can also chip in with their experiences, but it's also really important that we pose questions about the way forward, uh, what, uh, what, what, what our immediate demands around COVID are and how we can develop demands uh, and a strategy uh, around the question of the pay freeze uh, and cuts as well. Um, and use that really to come out of this discussion uh, with a much more sharpened uh, analysis uh, and, uh, and clear conclusions of what we need to do uh, on Monday morning when we're back in work, but also what we need to be raising in trade union meetings and conferences uh, and with our colleagues. So thank you very much and I look forward to the discussion. Thanks for that, James. Um, so yeah, so like, like James said, so we're gonna bring in Fiona next, um, speak for around 10 minutes. Um, what I'm just going to post in the chat is the attendance form. So if people haven't filled that in yet in a previous session, um, if you could just put your names and your details in the attendance form, um, that'll be brilliant. So I'll post that in the chat in a second. Um, and Fiona, do you want to go ahead? Hello there, everyone uh, and comrades. Uh, yeah, okay, so I, I'm Fiona. I'm a, a member of Socialist Alternative in Manchester. I'm also a rep with the University and College Union uh, up in Manchester. I wanted to talk a bit more about some of the practical stuff that, that's been happening. So I'm going to talk about uh, my own experiences in UCU, but so, so some general examples, that I think, kind of highlight how workers have actually been taking on all these fights and organising in the workplaces. I really want to look at two different types of, of, of organising that have happened that I think are important here. So there's organising in the actual workplaces where that have stayed open, where workers are still there, they're going in uh, every day and have been throughout the lockdown. And then look a little bit, uh, referring to my own experiences, uh, for, for workers who have had to move to a working from home model. So uh, quite a lot of us have kind of had to go and, 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 and suddenly be thrown into a, a very different uh, way of working and organising. So I was going to say a bit about those two things uh, as well. Now, I think James has set out a really good... Uh, um, uh, view of all, all the, the current situation basically we're seeing uh during this uh, pandemic uh kind of i think two different prongs of, of attacks from, from the employers we're seeing accelerated attacks in terms of things they'd kind of wanted to be doing anyway things that were already on the cards things like offshoring redundancies all those kind of things that they've accelerated during this lockdown now there's there's two points to that i think uh there's making workers pay for the crisis but there's also a taking an advantage of the situation, taking advantage of the difference in the working situation and the pandemic uh, going forward. And uh, well, I'll go through a few examples. Uh, hopefully I'll have time to go through everything that, that I wanna talk about. Uh, we've also obviously had to very rapidly take up urgent fights on health and safety. And uh, as, as James is detailing, and I'm sure comrades here and, and, and people who've come to this discussion will, will know, that's been a very uh, urgent fight. And it's been across uh, a wide variety of workplaces. All those different workplaces have had to have had to take that on board in a way that, that they haven't necessarily had to do before. Now, one of the key points, I think, for us organising on the ground as, as, as reps and as trade unionists, was to kind of get get up on on all that health and safety laws. I mean, that's certainly in, in in my workplace, I was aware of them. You know, as someone who teaches in university, 
but actually having to get in there and have a look at them and, and see what they say. Often some of the, the national national union reps were kind of pointing towards us health and safety laws. So, you know, you go and use them, but you've got to read them and make sure you know what they are to kind of know their limitations as, as, as James was, was alluding to as well. You have to kind of know, know what they are to kind of know how they can be used. How can you use them as a trade unionist? Where are they actually useful? Where, where do you need to do some other sort of organizing? And that was certainly key uh, for, for me in my, my workplace. We have seen some uh, examples of, of, of health and safety laws be, being used, but maybe not in the way they were intended. And I think that that's what's interesting to us as trade unionists. There's a couple of examples I want to bring up of uh, uh, people who are in the workplace probably know about Section 44, this kind of right to walk away from a dangerous workplace. If you read it, it's very much an individual law. The individual can make this decision to walk away. There'll be no detriment. There's very much, um, uh, it's, it's, you know, we've been told in our union that, that, that that's not supposed to be used as a collective type of action. However, we have seen some examples of it being used. Uh, there's a couple of examples. Um, there was a Warrington sourcing office with the postal workers where a manager had tested positive for, for COVID, was still working. Uh, workers, uh, I think each went up to, to, to the door and basically refused to go in. So it's an individual accent, accent, you know, action, but taken collectively, the workers are kind of outside going up one by one and refusing to work for, for, for the reason that there hadn't been a deep clean, there hadn't been any period of isolation for those who had come into contact with, with that manager. There's also the example of um, in Bradford uh, University in, in unison there, uh, the uh, some of the office workers were, were, were expected still to carry out a lot of face-to-face -face work. And uh, had been expected, uh, had been expecting some sort of proper PPE and screens around their desks. They turned up at work. The screens weren't high enough. They weren't adequate. And they they again walked out, used, citing Section 44, and this is a dangerous uh, workplace. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna walk out. And actually, were able to to force the employer then to provide what what they what they deemed necessary uh, in in their offices as well, and and, and get those screens uh, put in. What we've also seen as well, which comes back to kind of what, what I was saying before really is um, victimization of uh, workplace reps. So something that I think is some employers have had on the cards for a while and have taken the, the this uh, taken advantage of, of a situation where it's maybe harder or more difficult or more complex to organize solidarity. So one that comes to mind is um, the, there's a, a case of an Usdor rep at, uh, at Ikea who was just organising, asking, demanding for basic sick pay for workers in Ikea, that they wouldn't go without pay if they had to take time off. And uh, was, was dismissed for that. And there's a big, uh, big solidarity campaign that was uh, um, went nationwide. And I think um, he's, he's ended up not, not being restated, but kind of... Uh, taken a, a settlement uh, in, in, in lieu of going to, to a tribunal. But uh, um, that, that's a long-standing rep has kind of they've taken the opportunity to kind of get get rid of get rid of him. We've also got the current example of uh, a teaching rep in Kirklees who has then been raising safety concerns and um, has, has been suspended. And again, you know, uh, it's, it's something that is just a, a very natural thing to be doing as a trade unionist and, and, and getting, finding yourself kind of suspended from, from a job that you've been in for, for a very long time and um, the need to, to actually organise and try and build solidarity in, in a different way. Now, I think that the need for solidarity uh, is key, obviously, both within workplaces, but across workplaces at the, at the moment. I think one of the key things to organising in a workplace now is to try and spread out and then try and get the message and be talking to other people in different workplaces. 
even though it may be not more logistically difficult. And we're having, we're seeing fights on, on redundancies, on pay freezes, on, on conditions. So those things that are ongoing, those things that were on the cards beforehand and um, are, are ongoing now during the lockdown, during the pandemic. Again, come back to these ideas of the, the uh, employers taking advantage of the situation to drive through things that they had wanted to for a while. So the big example we've got uh, at the moment in, in, in the Northwest is at the Rolls-Royce factory at Barnoldswick. Uh, workers there have been on strike. There's been a plan to offshore the jobs at the factory, to shut down the factory for, for I think it's been on the cards for quite a while. And uh, the workers have been on strike to, to argue against the job losses, about 350 job losses. What's happened is the employers have taken advantage of the furlough scheme. They've said, we're going to lock down the factory. If you're on strike, you're not going to get put on furlough. If you are, if, 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 if you're not on strike, rather, you'll get put on furlough. If you are on strike, it's tough. You're not, you're not going, to get, going to get anything. That's quite, quite it's a very severe escalation. And uh, using the, the kind of schemes that are being put in place, supposedly to kind of help workers, to use against workers. And it's something that we need to, to look at tactically there. Uh, tactics there that may be useful are things like um, the Debenham workers, in Ireland, where you're talking about blockading stores, stopping things leaving from the, the stores, you know, blockading uh, the, the ability of the employers to take things out of those workplaces. And we'll see if we see a, an, an escalation on, on those uh, levels. We've also seen, we're going to see um, pay freeze uh, actions. We've seen in, in, in the Rail Workers Union, uh, there's going to be a strike in Manchester uh, starting tomorrow on, on pay freeze. And obviously we've seen the public sector pay freeze. We're going to see that, that coming up as well. And they've managed to organise picket lines. Uh, we've also seen uh, the Uber Eats uh, couriers in Sheffield is, is another example of uh, workers who would normally be quite quite disparate and, and not organised in a workplace, but actually able to get together and, and have a strike uh, uh, a few days ago. And that's on pay conditions and uh, disciplinaries and things like this. Um, they've managed to, to, to do that. Um, now, I also want to talk a little bit about the practicalities of organising, the barriers to organising, having to adapt to things that we would normally do, whether you're in a workplace or out of a workplace. Uh, things like meetings, how can you hold meetings, getting advice from your reps, how can you even hold a picket line, are you allowed to hold a picket line, what is what are your rights on those kind of things. Now the first one to talk about is picket lines really. Um, there was uh, an, an example of a, a bus factory, the, the Optair bus factory who, who were who were organizing, they, they were on strike, they were organizing socially distance pickets, police turned up and moved them along, said you're not allowed to do this, you have to you have to leave. And there's a legal challenge there by Unite, uh, and it was found, it was ruled in, in court that it's a fundamental right to strike and you are allowed to picket. So that's an important ruling and uh, it's, it's again useful for, for people to, to, to know that and be aware of that. We had an, an example uh, in, in Manchester of a bus depot where there was a, the rep was suspended and it was actually um, it was actually the local workers' movement that came to help. It was a very a difficult situation. It wasn't a legal ballot, but uh, people rallied around. People rallied around and actually blockaded the bus garage on behalf of the, of the workers, which was a really great example of solidarity. Again, the police came out and tried to challenge this, but um, were actually uh, couldn't, couldn't really do great, great, a great deal, to be quite honest, because there was maybe 20 people there who didn't work there, who were just slowing the buses down and not letting them go. So again, the idea of, 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 of you have a, a problem in your workplace, reaching out as well to the riders' movement in the situation to work around things uh, is, is really key. We've also seen things of a, a social distance meeting. So we've seen, um, example, 
examples of health workers, for example, going out on lunch breaks, organizing large socially distanced meetings. And as an example, I was hoping to get a picture, but I'm not, not very, I don't really have enough time, but uh, of, of health workers in New York having a big meeting or spread out and, and being able to do, to do that in this situation. We've seen examples of the bakers unions uh, having surgeries with reps, but having screens around them and PPE on. So if you're there at work in, in, in a food factory, you're able to go along and speak to your reps still uh, whilst you're there at work. And I think those, those are really important. In terms of organising when you're working at home, I mean, that's been my experience in the, in the university uh, union. Um, at, at the beginning of the first lockdown, the campus is generally locked down. We had to very quickly adapt to uh, to, to organising in a very different way. Um, what was really key to us was um, we were actually on strike right up until that first lockdown. We'd built informal networks. We'd built WhatsApp groups, uh, email groups, things that were... Uh, uh, included our members but weren't the official structures of the union so we could then immediately use those to actually organize uh, in this working from home situation and um, the idea that we weren't allowed to pick it anymore I mean that was something that unfortunately we, we were told by by um by by uh, kind of our, our regional offices and things but obviously it turns out that what wasn't the case you know we were told you have to stop picketing and go home now but we obviously uh, we, we were able to, to, to kind of fight that and argue against that what we've actually been able to do with, with because we have these networks we've been able to organize um quite actually quite big members meetings now i know some unions haven't been able to organize meetings in lockdown but i think in a university union in some branches we have been able to do that we were maybe getting 30 to 40 in physical meetings we've been able to get like regularly 100 people uh, on, on online union meetings in, in our branch which has been which has been really um important for us going forward and it's going to inform i think how we actually organised going forward in terms of having workers that are quite spread out coming together to talk uh, regularly with, with each other. Um, we've also seen a couple of examples of successful strike ballots that have been held at universities. Universities, again, who can't can't organise the big sort of meetings you would normally have to get the vote out, have forced to go online, forced to do ring rounds, forced to use social media. We've seen uh, Harriet Watt in Edinburgh, uh, threatened with compulsory redundancies, a successful strike ballot, were threatening to go out, the employer backed down immediately, took compulsory redundancies off the table. So that, that's, that's been a really good victory. We're also seeing in Brighton, um, there's been threats there to cut the IT services at the university. Uh, there was a ballot and 60% uh, turnouts are beating that 50% threshold. It's so difficult normally, even under these situation, even under this current situation, be able to beat that and actually get that turnout and then set some strike days now going forward. And uh, it's important to know as well that just because you're working at home doesn't mean you can't withdraw your labor i mean i have been told this by by certain people um in in, in the union you know it's, it's all about picketing uh well it, you know yes it, ideally yes it is all about picketing but what is it really about it's about withdrawing your labor if you're working at home you can still withdraw your labor you can still do that you can still take that action going forward so i think in just to sum up i think overall Certainly what we found, uh, and I think James said this as well, is that we, we can't wait for the national trade union leaderships to move. They are just not going to do it. Where we found successful action, certainly in, in my union and other unions, is to get organised on the ground as shop stewards, as union members, and do it, do it ourselves, basically, and recruit to the union on that basis, get people in, get people uh, in as reps, in as health and safety reps. We've certainly seen an increasing that in a similar way to has been reported in, in some other unions like the, the, the the NEU. Also important is linking up the different struggles. So for me in the universities, 
it's important for us to be linking up with students. You'll have seen all the students, uh, student campaigning, uh, student rent strikes. Key for us was immediately linking up with those students, linking up with that struggle against the same uh, the same people who are, who are, who are causing these, these issues. And that needs to kind of go rider. I think there's an urgent need to roll out that type of solidarity on the ground with all the different movements that spring up. We need to kind of learn from each other, learn from the tactics, uh, inspire each other to, 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 to try and improve our conditions. And, um, and, and obviously, um, uh, f find ways around organising at the moment, not just stick to what we know, but try and look at all these different movements. How did um, how, how did the Black Lives Matter movement get all those people out on the street? You know, that's, that's, an, that's an important thing for us to think about as trade unionists. How are people organising? How are they doing these things and adapting and learning from that? And I think uh, that, that's the way we're going to be able to challenge the system that puts us in this uh, position and go forward and, and fight for, for a better a better system. Thanks.